Welcome back to another episode of the Constructive Liberty Podcast. Today is Wednesday, June the 6th. Can you believe the year is almost halfway over? I have a hard time wrapping my brain around that. But, you know, maybe I need to work on exercising my brain a little more. It might not be the biggest, most powerful brain on the planet. So I should work on that. Today we're talking about purpose. We're talking about fulfillment and pursuing what brings fulfillment. And yes, I know, I know you're thinking, can you talk about purpose all the time? Like, can't you think of something else to talk about? You know what? No. No, it all comes back to purpose. That's why I call myself the why guy, because everything comes back to why. Let's jump right into it, because I've got a big doozy of a show today. Got two quotes of the day for you, as always. First one from none other than Ralph Waldo Emerson. He said, The purpose of life is not to be happy. It is to be useful, to be honorable, to be compassionate, to have it make some difference that you have lived and lived well. That is what fulfillment is. The second quote is from Friedrich Nietzsche. I probably said that wrong. But he said, whoever has a why to live for can bear almost any how. Fulfillment, purpose. You know, he talks about why. Who who has a why to live for can bear almost any how. We're going to jump more into that in the main topic of today's show. But first, I want to talk about my answer to last week's question. What do you hope your life looks like in five years? And do you have a plan to achieve it? I struggle with that sometimes. There's so many different things that I want in my life. I don't know exactly how I want my life to look like in five years. I do know that I want my life to be able to be more mobile. I want my income to be generated online, whether that is in developing my life and career coaching to become a full-time thing, or whether that is selling a product or affiliate marketing or whatever that may be, or maybe a combination of all of those things. But I am most fulfilled when I help other people create a life and career that they love. So that is what I hope my life contains in five years is a thriving coaching practice. Helping other people create a life or in career or business that truly impacts their community, that makes a difference in the world. Do I have a plan to achieve it? Uh, yes, I do have somewhat of a plan. It's uh, definitely not laid out as clearly as it could be, but I do have a plan. So that's my answer to last week's question. I've got another question of the week for you at the end of today's show. Um, and I want to share with you a little story over my weekend. So as you know, uh, this past weekend was Memorial Day weekend. Now, most people went out and partied and probably got drunk and drank a little too much and vacationed and went camping and all the things. Yeah, we didn't do any of that here at Shady Poplar Farm. We're a real working farm. This ain't no hobby farm. So we worked over the weekend. And uh, one of the things that we were looking at doing is baling hay over the weekend. Now, I've got a neighbor next door who, I don't know how he does it. It can look like it's about to downpour, but if he cuts hay, it is not going to get rained on. 
And so when he started cutting hay on, I think, Thursday, or maybe he cut hay on Friday, we were like, okay, we've got to cut hay because our grass is tall. It's time to be cut and baled. And we were working on getting the equipment out. And the, the baler was having struggles. It had, it had, uh, had trouble tying the knot to wrap the bales the last time we used it. And so there's this thing called a needle that runs the string up through into the knotter. And, um, <laughs> that's as the string gets run up in there, the knotter does its thing and it ties a knot in the string. Well, a little, little story here. And aside from that, my wife and I were talking about the baler and the needle and the knotter and all of those things. And, I was talking, I was saying something about the needle and I said something about the knotter and I just, I got my words all mixed up and I said something about the noddle. Well, we were driving at the time and I don't know, anytime I make a mistake, especially in my speech, my wife thinks it's freaking hilarious. I don't know why, because she's like, you're practically perfect and you never do or say anything wrong. And so she nearly drove off the road laughing and she hasn't let me forget it yet. She's brought it up like every other hour. So we always talk about the noddle and we know that that means both the needer, the needle and the knotter. See, it's easy to get those words mixed up. Anyway, like I said, our weekend was spent pulling out the hay equipment, uncovering it, dusting it off, cleaning it up, greasing it, oiling it, all the things. We had the, the, the hay bind, which cuts the hay. We had to have the hay tether, which we ran around the fields twice. Then we had a rake. And then finally we had the baler. And so that is, that was five trips around the field, getting it cut, getting it tethered twice, and then getting it raked, and then baling it. That might have been six. I'm not sure. And then the last part was yesterday the hardest part of all, that was getting the hay off the field and into the barn. At least the part of the barn that has a roof right now. The whole barn is not covered in roof right now, but the hay at least is under the part that has a roof. So yeah, it should not get too wet unless we get a driving rain and wind and all of that, but it will be dry. So that was how I spent my weekend, was riding around on the tractor, getting dusty, Dealing with with the hay bale or not tying knots right, and all, then you know getting my arms all tore up throwing hay bales yesterday. My arms have all kinds of little red prickly spots on them, which if you live on a farm, you know that that comes from throwing hay or straw or any of those things. I should have worn a long sleeve shirt. In other news, I had a great conversation with. Um, our tax strategist or tax lawyer last evening and we were discussing how to combine my wife's and my various ventures into the most efficient vehicles for tax mitigation right because you know while, while we have to pay our fair share we have to pay what we're owed we want to pay as little as possible it's actually our duty to pay as little as possible anyway so we've got our farm which is starting to generate a little revenue, finally. Uh, my wife has her cleaning business, and she has a flower business that she's starting up as an arm of the farm. Uh, hey, I said a rhyme, arm of the farm. 
Um, then I've got my construction business and my coaching and consulting business. None of those are huge revenue generators. The, co- the construction obviously being the biggest one and then the cleaning business of my wife's. But having a tax lawyer in our corner to help us navigate the pitfalls that come along when you create businesses and all of those things, and he can help us structure things in the right way, that takes a huge weight off of my mind. So if you are a small business owner, especially a solopreneur, if you make at least thirty dollars or $40,000 a year, I need to hook you up with this guy, and uh, he can walk you through how to set up your businesses, how to set up your life in a way to pay as little taxes as possible. You want to mitigate your tax burden as much as you can. So many of you know that uh, I'm a huge, I'm big into the DISC model of human behavior. I'm a DISC consultant. And what that means is I help other people understand themselves better through the lens of personality. That's the easy way to put it. Um, And one of the ways that people utilize DISC is for hiring employees inside their company. And what they do is they create a profile for the job of what kind of uh, things that this person would need to do. And it tells them what kind of person would be a best fit for it. As so many of you business owners know, you often hire because you like the people, because you just jive. Things fit well together. And it turns out that maybe that person is not a best fit for the job. DISC can help with this. And it was a huge validation for me because I just recently learned that ClickFunnels, the founder of ClickFunnels, Russell Brunson, he's like very big in the, in the online world. He uses DISC in his hiring process. So I think if it's good enough for him, it's definitely good enough for me and my coaching clients. So that was just a little bit of validation for there. I want to share something else with you before I get into the main topic of the of the show today about your purpose. I want to share something with you that I came across in 48 Days Eagles. It's a community from Dan Miller, and uh, it is a monthly membership community, which Tough luck if you wanted to join it. They closed the doors today, I think. They're not taking on any members for the foreseeable future. But he shared something from a book he was reading called $100 Million Offers. How to make offers so good people people feel stupid saying no. See, I mixed up my words again. And this book is written by Alex Hormozzi. The portion that he wrote or that he shared in the community was 28 Ways to Stay Poor. I'm going to share those with you. Number one, start tomorrow. Two, read lots of books and then do nothing. Three, take advice from poor people on how to be rich. Four, pick a spouse who makes you feel guilty for working. Five, fail once, quit forever. Six, think that the world is fair. Number seven, blame your circumstances. Number eight, complain about your challenges. Number nine, expect the government to save you. Ten, Value the opinion of others over your own. 11. Avoid discomfort. 12. Tolerate mediocrity from yourself and from others. 13. Make promises. Break promises. 14. Wait for perfect conditions. 15. Prioritize looking rich over being rich. 16. Avoid working on what matters most. 17. 
Say you're going to do something and then don't do it. 18. Do what everyone else is doing. 19. Do your best rather than what it takes. 20. Talk more, do less. 21. Start something new today, start something new tomorrow. 22. Believe what other people think about you more than what you think about yourself. 23. Make a mistake and then repeat that mistake. 24. Be replaceable. You have to learn to do things other people can't do in order to not be replaceable. Number 25. Find something that works and then stop doing it. 26. Hire dumb people. 27. Assume you're always right. 28. Make money and then spend more money than you make. I shared this post in my Building Small Business group on Facebook, as well as on TikTok and Instagram Reels and and all of the things. So if you want to check it out, you can go follow me on those places. I share some really good content. Now let's jump into the main topic of today's show, pursuing what brings you fulfillment. The most familiar path to most of us, to you, to me, is the one that most people will stay on. And that is doing what you know, even if you feel like it's not a good fit for your life. Most people stick to that path because it's preferable to them over making the changes, even if those changes can mean a better life. See, contentment and fulfillment in life comes from embracing who you are, embracing the gifts and the talents and the abilities that God has given you, embracing those things, and it gives you happiness. Sadly, there's a lot of people out there who don't make those changes that they need to make because they're afraid that the changes might be hard and uncomfortable. See, the path that a person is on in life is often given to them or put in place for them when they're still in high school or sometimes even younger, 18, 17, 16, 15. People make big decisions that impact their futures. I did. I'm sure you did. Sometimes those choices turn out to be the right choices and they bring fulfillment. But often they end up leaving a person unhappy, unfulfilled. Some people decide on a career course and they stick to it year after year after year after year, even decades. They might know after only a couple of years that it's not really where they want to be or what they want to be doing, but they stick to it. And there's multiple reasons for that. Sometimes... They stick to it just because the path is familiar, just because they know what's up there. Other times, it's because they've put a lot of time and money and effort into gaining the education and the training to reach the spot in their career that they're at. None of us want to feel like we've wasted thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars or years of our life. That is not fun at all. We don't like to feel like we've wasted our time and our money. We don't want to feel like our investment was for nothing if we quit. So we stick it out instead of, or we stick it out because leaving it behind would feel like a massive waste. But see, that's backward thinking. That is, uh, that, that's, that's the, the sunken cost fallacy. See, the truth is, staying on the wrong path is what is the waste. Staying on the wrong path makes your life mean nothing. Because you only have one life, and only you can spend it doing what fulfills you. Only you can live your life utilizing the gifts and the talents and the abilities that God has given you. Only 
you can make the choice between pursuing a path that utilizes those gifts or sticking with what's familiar. It does good for us sometimes to take time, look at ourselves in the mirror, and face reality that we've been trying to avoid. The reality is often that the life that we have is not the life we want. It takes honesty. It takes courage to admit that, to admit the truth that we're not where we're at. We're not where we want to be in life. But when you do admit that, you'll be amazed at at the burden that's released. So often we don't admit that because we're afraid of what that might mean. But we need to face that reality. Sometimes when we've chosen the wrong path in life, when we're going down a route that just doesn't feel right for us, there's symptoms that show up. They manifest themselves in different ways for different people. They might be physical. They might be emotional. You can have body aches or like feel sick whenever you go to work or have to do something career-related or whatever it is the thing that you hate doing. You don't even want to go into work. You become depressed and anxious. Your performance at work falls. It's not good enough to just do a job anymore because that job doesn't matter. You're not doing anything that matters and your heart isn't in it. It's hard Hard to be enthusiastic about something that doesn't bring you pleasure, that doesn't bring you fulfillment, that doesn't bring peace and longing and meaning, and it doesn't impact other people. It's hard to be enthusiastic and passionate about things that are not that. Sometimes you feel a longing deep inside of you in your core for something that is fulfilling. It might be something that you do in your spare time. It might be something that you've longed to do as a career, but for whatever reason, you never took that leap. If that sounds like you, then it is time to make a change. But change is scary. And that is why change requires finding your courage. For some people, even just imagining changing is scary. So scary that they refuse to even look at it. They'd rather settle for what they have, the, you know, the mediocrity, rather than chasing what it is they truly want in life. Rather than chasing fulfillment or finding fulfillment in the things they do. The biggest reason most people give up when it comes to changing their lives is fear. Fear brings roadblocks. It asks the scary question, like, what if I make a change and I fail? Now, fear is going to bring all of those things to the front of your mind. Holding on to that fear is common for most people when they think about pursuing fulfillment or pursuing what brings them happiness and joy. It's common because you're looking into the unknown, and the unknown is super duper scary, okay? Terrifying. What's known is safe and secure and comfortable. What's unknown is where the monsters are hiding. Mistakes, pain, doubt, failure. You can focus your mind on everything that could go wrong all the way to the point where you focus on it so much you stay exactly where you are because your fear owns you. Your fear owns you. And doubting your ability to create a life and career that you love, that goes hand in hand with fearing change. See, when you're on the path that you've always been on, you can see what you've accomplished. You can see how far you've come. You have your history of performance and how you've lived as a record that you can look back on. 
right? You can see what's been. That's what brings you confidence because you can look back and see what's been and you can look forward and think you know what's coming. That gives you confidence, however false that confidence may be. And most people stick to that rather than trust that, you know, since they had the ability to learn one thing, the thing that they're doing now, they also have the ability to learn how to do something that truly matters to them. Think about that for a second. If you had the ability to learn how to do what you're doing now, why do you think you don't have the ability to learn how to do something that's truly meaningful, that truly matters, to do the thing that would bring you happiness, that would light you up, that would make you want to get out of bed at 4 o'clock in the morning? You know, you can do it. If you learn one thing, you can learn another thing. But see, when we think about change, we lack courage to make that move because we often play the comparison game. We look at others who are where we want to be. And we look at ourselves and we're like, boy, I can never be that. I, I can't do that. Who am I to do that? I have no idea what I'm doing. Imagine you're in middle school and you love playing baseball. Like you're really good at it. You love playing baseball. But then you go home in the evening and you turn on the TV and you watch Mike Trout. You watch Ronald Acuna and Bryce Harper and Freddie Freeman. You watch these people playing baseball. These are major league superstars at the top of their game. And you look at them and you look at yourself and you're like, I can never be that. I'm not that good. I don't even know what I'm doing compared to what they're doing. So I'm just going to quit. You would think that's pretty dang stupid, right? That's ridiculous. Comparing yourself as a middle schooler to a major league superstar. See, the problem is lining, trying to line up two different journeys that are not the same length. The middle schooler is at the start of his journey. The major league superstars are at the height of their journey. You know, you can't compare where you're at with where someone else is 10 years down the road from their starting point. It takes courage to change. Yes, your life's going to be different. Nothing, well, not everything is going to be the same. But going after what makes you happy, going after what brings fulfillment, will give you something that staying with what was familiar doesn't give you. And that is a chance to be and do everything that God gave you the gifts and the ability to be and do. One of my mentors said it this way. When, he, when, when we are born, God gives us a virtual table. Not virtual as in virtual reality or any of that, but Picture it as God giving us a table with gifts and abilities and talents and interests and skills on that table. And on that table is everything that you have the ability, the possibility to utilize in your life. He said that his biggest fear is reaching the end of his life and looking back and seeing unused items on that table. That is what you should be afraid of. You have to find your courage to make the change. The first step is 
understanding, is realizing that changing is scary. But it's better than being unhappy all your life, isn't it? It's better than living life at 50% when you have the capacity for 100%. Who wants a 50% full battery? You know, when I have my phone and it's not plugged in, the battery starts draining. And it gets down in the low 90s and I'm like, I got to plug my phone in. I want my phone to be at 100%. You don't want to live your life, yourself being less than 100%. Utilize everything you've been given. It takes courage to make a move. Sometimes making that move means facing whatever's holding you back. It might be a lack of knowledge. It might be moving, like changing locations. Whatever it is that's holding you back, you have to face that. All of those things can be overcome. You have to take action steps, regardless of what's going on inside your brain. See, action steps are what builds courage because they prove that we're capable of doing the thing we want to be doing. And since it's only a step, it's a little bit at a time. You're not running a whole marathon. You're taking a step. You need to hang out with people who are doing what you want to do. You need to immerse yourself in their world. You need to learn what you think you need to know. You need to challenge yourself. You have to realize that the unknown is only unknown temporarily. You will get some perspective, but only after you make the change. You can't see it until you're in it. You've got to develop trust in yourself. Abandoning our dreams is safe because we let go of what we want and we don't have to worry about failing or what could have been. But see, it also leaves you with the haunting suspicion or the haunting feeling of what might have been. There will always be the road we didn't take, or the girl you didn't ask out, or the, the opportunity that you didn't pursue. There's a lot of reasons why people abandon their dreams. And the biggest one is fear. Another one is because while we can look at other people who have followed their dreams and achieved what they wanted, we don't think that we can do it for ourselves. We can't imagine that kind of success for us. It's because what we can see is easier to swallow than what we can only dream of, than what we can only imagine. So if you've dreamed of starting your own business, it's easy to look at the person who has a thriving business and think that they have something you don't. It's easy to think it must be nice to think they had a leg up in their journey. They had the mentor that they needed to have, or they had a wealthy relative who gave them a lot of money to help them start the business. But The reality is you don't know how their dreams came to life. You don't know the literal blood, sweat, and tears that went into creating the thing that they wanted to create. They may have struggled and started with nothing, but because of the relentless pursuit of what brought them fulfillment, their dreams came to life. Consider someone who dream, has dreamed of running marathons. Maybe that's you. Maybe you have like, look, one day I'm going to run a marathon. But you haven't even exercised in 10 years. And then you sit there and look at the people that are running the Boston Marathon and you're like, boy, that's a lot of training and a lot of effort and injuries and, and all of those things. I'll never be as good at, as good at running or as fit as that people, that those people are. And you abandon the dream. You think they have what it takes, but you don't. 
Their skills are better. They have better genetics. They're more talented. They have the looks to succeed in whatever industry where appearances matter, but not you. Come on, give me a break. You've got what it takes. Quit telling yourself that what you have is not enough. Okay? Don't rationalize away your abilities and your strengths. That is simply fear in another form. You can't quit just because you think other people are better than you. That's not a valid reason to give up on your dreams. Every single person who has achieved their dreams, who has achieved the things in life that they wanted to achieve, started from a place of every single person out there who was doing this thing was better than they are. But they kept pushing forward despite that fact. And that is how they created the life they want. What you feel you lack, like your imperfections, your lack of knowledge, your lack of skill, the, I don't know how to do it. You know, that's not a good enough excuse to give up on it. Whether big or small, the key to achieving your dreams is to do it despite your imperfections. Hey, that might be what, exactly what makes your dream come true. Look at uh, um, Russell Brunson, the founder of ClickFunnels. He started out selling plans for potato guns online. And then um, when he started not being profitable with that because the algorithms changed, he had to create a second product. So that, that was where funnels were born. And that is what catapulted his career into that, – that's what catapulted the life and career that he wanted He found a pain point, and he pushed into it. He found his why. Oftentimes, when we have a dream, when we find the thing that we want to pursue, the thing that we want to do, that's great. That's that's good and all. But going after that is even better. But see, there's a downside to that. That is when you chase after what you long for, chase after what it is that you want, you also have critics. There's always going to be people who try to drag you down. It can be friends and family. They're going to give you all kinds of advice that you don't want when it comes to living the life of your dreams and how probably how stupid you are for abandoning the career that you've got that's making whatever kinds of money but you hate your life. You know, that advice might come from a good place. These people love you and and they're fear, they're fearful for you. But see that fear Like we talked about earlier, that fear is contagious and you can't let it plant the seed in your mind. You've got to be careful and make sure you don't put up with it. That fear, that the advice that comes from that fear is designed, maybe not intentionally by the people who give it to you, but that advice that comes from fear is designed to stop you from chasing your dreams, often because that person has some unfulfilled dreams of their own. See, somebody who has longed for something, who has had a huge dream and didn't go after it, becomes super jealous when they see somebody else going after their dreams and they try to tear them down. You going after what you want, going after creating the life you want to live rather than what societal norms are, that is like rubbing salt in their wound. And you have to silence that. Just, uh, I appreciate your concern, but this is what I'm going to do. That that's it. You know, you don't have to leave the door open for a conversation with somebody who is trying to derail the thing that you want, who's trying to derail your dreams. Shut it down. And if they won't let it go, maybe you need to disengage from them. 
you know, might be just disengaged from the conversation, or maybe you have to disengage from them completely. You are the gatekeeper for your dream, and you have to protect it from people who want to tear it down. And there will be people who are critical about you pursuing the things you want in life. The thing is, the most dangerous critic, the most subtle, is often ourself. It's our inner critic. It's that little nagging voice that knows exactly what our weaknesses are and knows exactly what buttons to push. We have to stop our inner critic as well. That inner critic, that little guy down in there, he erodes your self-esteem like crazy, giving you a massive lack of confidence in your dream. Okay? You got to pay attention to what you're thinking. When, when your thoughts come to you, tearing you down. You know, it's it's a it's a untrue criticism. You know, maybe it's saying you don't know what you're doing. Well, okay, yeah, but that doesn't need to give me fear. Reframe that to something else. Instead of saying you don't know what you're doing, you can't do it, say I don't know what I'm doing yet, but I know how to learn what I need to be doing. Right? So change that those the inner critic. Take what he tells you or she whatever, or it, if it's an animal, whatever that inner critic is for you, take what it tells you and turn it into something that's true. Rather than saying, you can't do it, say, I don't know how to do this yet, but I am learning. Right? I mean, how how much better is that if you change that around? That opens up the path for you to to actually do the thing that you want to do. It, get, it can help you gain confidence in your decisions. See, not being, about, not being confident in the decisions we make as we change, as we make changes in our life, often leaves us feeling like a sailboat in a hurricane. I've never been a sailboat in a hurricane. I've been a boat on stormy waters or rough waters and wind and all of that. You're a little off-kilter and a little unstable, and sometimes you're taking on water. You start second-guessing yourself. Um, You make a decision and immediately wonder if it was the right one. And that's where that plan of action that we talked about earlier comes into play. Action plans are little steps. As you take those small steps, it gives you confidence towards making the bigger decisions and the bigger steps. But you have to know what your dream is. You have to know what defines the success for your dream. You have to know... How do I know when I've achieved that dream? That helps you lay out the plan of action. You have to know the destination to know how to get there. And every time, when when you have that plan of action, every time you achieve a, a mini goal in that plan of action, or every time you reach a completed step, that's another layer in the foundation, another another um, cobblestone, another founding piece of confidence that can help you when making future decisions. You need to picture that dream. See where you're at now, realistically, and where you want to be in five years, ten years, or so on. You know, we our question of the week last week was, where do you want to be in five years? We talked a little about that. So picture that. Make your decisions by breaking down what needs to be accomplished today so you can keep that dream alive for yourself tomorrow and the next day. And the next day, and the next day. You don't need to worry about keeping your dream alive five years from now. Five years from now, you need to be worrying about that then. 
right now you need to keep your dream alive for tomorrow. So think of what you have to do today so that it's still there tomorrow. And you need to work on it every single day. You know how when you don't work on something, it slowly dies. You sign up for an online course and you're all into it. And then you skip a day. And then you get back into it for a few days. And then you skip two days. And then you get back into it for another day. And then you skip a week. And pretty soon you forget you signed up for the cotton picking course. Okay? Don't do that with your dream. Take small steps every single day. This gives you the confidence to reach your overall goal. You're not going to run a marathon if you haven't exercised in 10 years. You've got to set the small goal of walking for three days a week, then four, then five, then jogging a couple of weeks from now. Then in two months, you can run for a mile without stopping. Small steps. That's an action plan. It guides your decisions, gives you confidence, and it prevents you from having to make decisions in the spur of the moment because this is my plan for achieving that. In the end, though, regardless of whatever plan you put into place, the thing that builds confidence in your decisions is trusting your gut. You've made decisions about your life for many years, right? You've got to where you're at now. You've handled a lot of different situations, and so far you've come out okay. So just have trust in yourself that the decisions you make today will result in you being okay tomorrow. But the decisions that you make today need to be in pursuit of fulfillment, of what motivates you, what drives you in pursuit of purpose, those decisions will help you to knock it out of the ballpark and live the life you've always dreamed of. That's it for the main topic of today's show. We are getting on about 35, 36 minutes, the longest podcast I've done yet. So I'm going to leave you with a question of the day. If you had to teach something, what would you teach? And a lot of you are going to be like, oh, no, I hate teaching. I could never teach. So I'll rephrase the question this way. What problem do you want to solve? Do good work.